Y'all can have a seat. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, um, I was actually sitting right over in this section, middle row somewhere, and we were singing that song on a Sunday morning, and I mean, we were going for it. The room was crowded. There were a lot of people, and it was just one of those, they hit it the last time, and everybody's hands just kind of whoosh, shot to the s- sky. And um, in me, there was this tension to pull my hands back down because the song is so just driving. It's almost like this, yes, throw your hands in the air. I got my hands up, I'm, you know, but like everybody's throwing their hands up in the air. And in me, there was just this pull of going, um, that's the easy part. The arms high is the easy part. The heart abandons what you're struggling with. And ever since I've sang that song, every time I sing that song, God annoys me and goes, hey, don't throw up your hands so quickly because your heart's not quite as abandoned as your arms are high. So that's what we're talking about tonight, fitting song as we head into Romans. Romans chapter 12, still, if you've been with us, we're going to continue on in this journey looking at this um, incredible book that Paul writes to the church at Rome. But it really is about that right there, of going externally. It might be way too easy for some of us to do this Christian thing. Externally, it's easy to come to stuff like this and to other Christian events and go, arms high. And God's going, but I want a heart that's abandoned. Because a lot of people can throw up their hands. A lot of people know when to stand and when to sit, when to bow, when to pray. But the heart abandoned is the part where we have to go, God, I can't do that. You're going to have to do something in me. And so that's really what we're going to talk about tonight. I told you earlier that about this whole Transform Life series that we're going to do on the retreat in a couple of weekends. And tonight really is the beginning of it because Paul, as he's writing to the church at Rome, just continues right on talking about if you don't want to live that way anymore, here's how you have to transform life. So I'm really excited. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Um, I'm a dad. I have three kids. Um, a boy, I'll just show him to you. I mean, how could I not, right? Um, I've got a son, Davis, on the top, a daughter, Annie. She demanded to be the bigger one. And then my son, um, James, is the smaller one in the bottom. So Davis, Annie, and James. I've got three kids. Um, one story about just the depravity of humanity um, is my daughter, God love her there. You go, oh, she is so cute. Can I pinch her cheeks and all that? And I'm going, yeah, you pinch and see what happens. She will bite you. Um, because one, I mean, this was a couple years ago, but this is is true, I promise you. Um, I'm in my kitchen. Our kitchen kind of looks over into our den area, and I'm in there, and I was helping make uh, dinner, I believe, if I remember the story correctly. We're about ready for dinner. I was like, hey, Annie, uh, dinner's ready. And she's a little girl at the time, and so I know she's on the other side of the couch, um, so, but you can't actually see the top of her head because she's not clearing the horizon of our couch, you know? And so I'm like, Annie, I know you're over there. Dinner's ready. Silent treatment already. And I go, hey, Annie, dinner's ready. Well, I'm not kidding. You're going to go, preacher story. I promise you, my wife can testify to her attitude about this. She pops up on that couch and spins around and just looks at me straight in the eyes and goes, do not talk to the princess. Turns around, sits right back down on the couch. (laughs) And I promise you, I just went, Katie, Katie, because I'm like, I'm not touching this one. This is beyond my pay grade. Uh, This calls for a woman. Um, But so that's just a little bit about my daughter. But all three of my kids have these sayings that you all know. I mean, we could just say, hey, what are some of the sayings you bet my kids say? And we could probably come up with a list pretty quickly. But there's three tonight that I want us to talk about because the three things my kids say probably the most often somehow in this odd way, as we were looking at Romans chapter 12, as I was reading over it the last couple of weeks, the three things that my kids say the most 
I found them jumping off the page at me as an adult in my spiritual life. It was crazy. And so it's just interesting to me that things that children say so frequently show themselves, and at least in my spirituality, I'm willing to bet in your own. The three things that my kids say all the time are mine. It's mine. And I'll be like, oh, really? Yeah, they're like, that's my room. And I'll be like, <laughs> that's fine. You can pay for your part of your room if you'd like to in the mortgage each month. No, that's my toy. I'm like, oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, who got you that toy? It's mine now. And then that's when they run away. Mine. They say that one all the time. The other one that they really are fond of is that's not fair. Oh, good grief. You know, but all the time I'll be like, hey, who wants to do this? Well, that's not fair. She didn't have to do that. And he didn't have to do that. And it's like crazy stuff. Like sometimes I'll be like, come here, Annie. We have to comb your hair. Dave's going, well, that's not fair. And I'm like, you don't want me to comb your hair and put a bow in it. But still he's going, well, that's not fair. I want to, you know, because kids just want everything to be fair. And then the other one I hear a lot is no. Okay, well, hey, how about if we do this? No. How about if we go here? No. Hey, you want to help with this? No. Hey, why don't you listen to your mom? No. Right? So we hear that one a lot. No, that's not fair and mine. Three things that kids say all the time, and unfortunately, but truthfully, I find to be a part of my spiritual journey. And so Paul writes to the church at Rome in um, chapter 12, verse 2, and he says this. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Popular verses, famous verses, memorable verses that Paul authors right here. The question should be this after he writes something like this, because that's so easy for us to read in the church. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How does that happen, Paul? Because way too often in the church, we're guilty of saying things like, hey, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't look like them. Don't look like TMZ. Don't look like MTV. Definitely don't look like the housewives of whoever you're watching these days. But be don't be conformed like that. Be transformed. And we all go, yeah. And we rally around that. Everybody gets all jacked up on Jesus. That's a good t-shirt. We all get really excited and then we're like, out of here, go. And then we get to cookout 20 minutes later and we're going, anybody know how to do that? No. And then what, here's what we're guilty of. The very next thing we're doing is going, well, let's just wait for the next thing. Surely there's something on Tuesday night we can go to and maybe Wednesday night will roll around quick enough and they'll kind of get me juiced up again and I'll get all excited about Jesus. But in my life, I am not seeing the transforming power of God in my life. So a good question would be, how do you do this, Paul? Where does the transformation start? So he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you can discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So this is incredible. This is why you should be reading your Bible because it's fascinating when you'll just get into it some, the things that just start coming to life. Because the good question is, so how do we do this transform life, Paul? The very next thing, he just said, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The very next thing he says is this, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, notice the word that's used the most frequently here. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. 
So isn't it interesting that as soon as Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the first area he goes to, he says the word think three times, all in regards to the way you think about yourself. He says, if you really want to be transformed, you've got to think rightly about who you really are. Your worldview, which is what Greg talked about last week, the worldview, the way you see yourself is paramount to the rest of your life being transformed into the likeness of Christ. You've got to think rightly about yourself. You can't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He just keeps going back to this word of going, as you're getting your mind transformed, the first area you have to think about is how do I really think about myself? What are the things that I know to be true about me? Really? Because often in church when we say, hey, don't conform, but be transformed, we go to these massive undertakings. I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to do that again because I'm going to be transformed by grace. Or I'm going to stop doing that. I've done it for seven years, but tonight's the night. I Bam, I'm done with that. Or I'm just going to sign some covenant that I will never do that again. Or I'm going to make a pledge online. Or I'm going to do something here. Or I'm going to get a journal. I've never done that before, but tonight's the night. And I'm gonna, just going to spill my guts all over this journal. Then I'm probably going to flush it down the toilet. Don't do that because you just cause some major problems for somebody. But, you know, like you go to these extremes. I go to these extremes of saying transformed life. I'm cutting off this. I'm starting to do this. And Paul goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, the first step of the transformed life is to think rightly about yourself. I say to everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Think about people who are not in sober minds, drunk people. They think of themselves way too highly or way too lowly, right? We've all seen the drunk guy who's tiny, but dude, he'll take on anybody in the room, right? Because he's like, I'll beat anybody up. Because in that moment, he's not sober-minded. You're like, you're 5'2 and 150 pounds wet. That guy's a bouncer who could pick up your car. And he's like, I don't care, because he's not thinking rightly about himself, right? We've seen this happen. Some of you are going, no, what are you talking about? Because you're that guy. But right, like we've seen this happen. They're not thinking rightly about themselves. And other people are sitting in the corner. <laughs> They're the sad drunk. They're like, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. And you're going, hey, that's not true. There's people all around you. Quit drinking so much, right? That's the word here, though, of think of yourself with a sober mind, with a clear mind. Who does God really say that you are? And the first word that my kids use all the time is mine. Mine. And when you start to look at this scripture, Paul writes and he says, For the grace given to me, I say to you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul's going, you can't think of yourself too much. If you think too highly of yourself, it's going to distract you from really being transformed into who God wants you to be. And here's the terrible, awful thing about pride. Regardless of how you see yourself, pride is the issue for all of us. 
Because whether your issue is that you're a self-promoter and you're always talking about yourself and you're always trying to get some more press for yourself and you're always wanting everybody to know what you do and how you've accomplished things and who your folks are and what kind of house they had and how many zeros were on the end of their income and how many friends you've got and how many likes you got and how many posts you got and how many invites you got and did you know I got in these many bids and oh my gosh and you want everybody. You're a promoter. You're a self-promoter. That's pride. But it's no less pride for the self-pity person. The, people, the person who lives in self-pity is no less living in pride than the person who's just always talking about themselves. Both of them are the center of their own universe. And we all fall somewhere in there. And Paul's going, hey, you can't think that way about yourself and really be transformed. Because as long as you're the center of your story, you will not be transformed into the person, the individual that God wants you to be. It's just not going to happen. If mine is the way that you think about your life, well, it's my life. It's my major. It's my opportunity. It's my relationship. This is my money. Paul goes, no, that's just a conformed way of thinking. Everybody thinks that way. All of your classmates, all of your professors, apart from the grace of Christ, that's how everybody in this world lives. That's the definition of culture of saying, look out for yourself. So as long as you're living that way, that's the conformed way of thinking. Mine, my opportunity, my family, my friends, my major, my time. And this seems like a great way to live, to be about you, to figure out how to make life work for you until life gets difficult. Because as soon as life gets difficult, nobody wants to be in charge in those moments. Nobody in the midst of a really hard circumstance is going, I want to take credit for this one. I want this to be my issue. I want this to be my regret. I want this to be my past. I want this to be my story. Because as soon as trouble hits, we're all looking for who do I blame? This is their problem. God's a bad God. My family did this. My family did that. And all of a sudden, we're shifting all the blame to other people because as, soon as, if, as long as you're living in a worldview where you're saying, mine, this is about me, that's the way I think about myself, it's just not going to work out. It'll work out during the good times. When you're rolling in a convertible down the strip and your system's thumping and everybody's looking at you going, man, he's got a beautiful girl and a nice car. That's awesome. But as soon as a thunderstorm comes and it's raining in your convertible, you're going, it's the convertible's fault. And all of a sudden you're looking for other people to blame because when life doesn't make sense for us, we don't want to be in control. So as long as you're making decisions based on this is about me and this is mine, it's my four years of college. It's my five years of college. I'm going to choose to live how I want to live. Paul's going, okay, but you're just conforming. You're not transforming. Everybody does that. So that's a conformed way of thinking. The transformed way of thinking would be to say it's yours. I mean, none of these are mind-blowing, earth-shattering things, but that's what the gospel is, is it's taking things that are just not true and showing us a true way of living. So instead of saying, it's my opportunity, it's my major, it's my family, it's my friends, it's my money, we say, no, these are your things, God. A conformed way of thinking is to go, God, these are the gifts you've given to me. How would you see me steward them well? God, this is the girlfriend or the boyfriend you've given me for this season. How can we honor you best in this time? 
God, you've given me intellect clearly. Like in my classes, I'm blowing by people. And instead of sitting back going, that's just my gift. What if you were to go, no, God's given me something here. God, how do I steward it well? God, you've put me in an opportunity where a lot of people are looking at me. How can I leverage that for you? Instead of just going, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm the head of that. I'm the president of that. What if you said, there's nothing wrong with being the heads of anything or the pre presidents of anything. Being leaders are, is great. Shoot for that. But once you get there, don't go, look what I've done. Go, but instead, God, you've placed me here. How can I use this? How can I leverage what you've given me for your name? Because when you think rightly about yourself, like Romans is saying, you go, I haven't done anything. None of you in womb went, I would like to have a math brain, please. You can't take credit for that, but we do. You're going, yeah, I just really have applied myself, and you have. But be careful how much credit you take for the places you find yourself. Whether it be in self-promotion or in self-pity. Think rightly about yourself and the places that you find yourself tomorrow. Say, God, this opportunity, it's yours. How, how would you see me serve here? God, in this fraternity, how, how can I be a light here? You're the one that's placed me here. God, in, in this major, God, at this job, at this internship, that there's no way, if I'm being honest, I deserve. It's yours how can I use the time? God, this semester that we're still fresh into, it's yours. How can I use it best? The conformed person says, I'm going to use it for me. The transformed person says, God, it's yours. How can I use it for you? Because it's a gift. Wherever you find yourself, it's a gift of God. And that's what the very next verse says. Um, we'll stay in verse 3 for a second. It says, um, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So Paul's writing to them, and he's saying, you got to think rightly about yourself. Don't th the way that you think about yourself is not your accomplishments, not your GPA, not many, how many friends you have on this or how many likes you got on that photo that you spent 35 minutes filtering or how many um, dollars you got or how many internships you were offered. That's not the way you think about yourself. He said, instead, here's the way you should think about yourself. You should think about yourself according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, Paul's about to go into this section of how the body of Christ should work together. And honestly, when I first read that, I go, Paul, come on, bro. Like, if you're trying to write to us about working together in unity, do you really think you should write a sentence that says, think about yourself according to the measure of faith that God has assigned? Because as soon as I read that, and maybe this is my own issue coming out, as soon as I read that, I'm going, whoa, 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 Paul. So you're telling me God's assigned different amounts of faith to people? That doesn't seem like that's going to build up a lot of unity in the church. That doesn't feel like a real rally cry right there. Instead, I feel like people are going to start comparing and going, well, I got this and I got that, and oh, you're only there. But I think as I've thought about this, because this is probably the part that I've thought about more than any other part of the scripture. Why would he say that? Hey, we want there to be unity in the church, but some of you have been given more faith than others. And I think he does it 
Because if we all had equal amounts of faith, there wouldn't be unity in the body of Christ. You would never look for other community in the body of Christ if you knew we've all got equal faith. But instead, when there is diversity in the body of Christ, we do go, I need somebody in my life that has greater faith than me to challenge me and strengthen me and grow me. And I need somebody in my life whose faith is new and fresh and they don't believe the way that I do right now. So I can do the same for them and I can encourage them and I can challenge them and that's going to grow my faith, having to help somebody whose faith is not as strong. That is the unity of the body of Christ of going, we're not all equal, but we all surrender to the God who's assigned us the way that he deemed fit. The way that I think about God assigning faith is this. Imagine it for a second. I should have done this. Imagine it for a second. I said, all right, who likes Apple products? And everybody in the room's like, woohoo, tomorrow. Some of you have already like called in sick because the iPhone, whatever, is being released tomorrow. But so if I said, hey, how many of you like Apple products? And like three of you raised your hand. I was like, beautiful, come on up. And all of a sudden, JC becomes a game show host. And I'm like, all right, here's what we have. We have three different presents for you. And you open up the first present. Jill opens up the first present. She's like, oh my gosh, it's a brand new iPad. And she's like, this is incredible. Welcome to Crossroad. She's so excited about the iPad that she just got. Next guy, Bill, Jill and Bill, Bill is like, let's see what I got. Probably an iPad. And he opens it up and it's a $50 Apple gift card. Well, okay. She just got an iPad though. I've got a $50 iPad. Uh, card, whatever. Then Jill, Bill, and Fred, sorry, Fred, Fred's like, what do I get? He opens his up and it's a golden delicious apple. Like it's an apple product, but it's a legit apple. And so in that moment, in that moment, would Fred have any right to look at Bill and Jill and go, I despise you. You all are wicked. No. If he went back to his seat and they're over there like downloading apps and like they're already redeeming their gift card for some new music and stuff. And he's over there just crunching his apple. Does he have any right in that moment to go, I can't stand Jill and Bill? No, because they did nothing except receive a gift. The only person Fred has a problem with is me because I was the giver of the gift. So if it's really true that God is the one that assigns faith, if you look around at your circumstances and you go, man, it is not fair, God, that person's knocking it out of the park. They've got this incredible faith. They're doing things. They're making an impact on campus. They just kind of walk by people and people are going, will you tell me about Jesus? It's just incredible. They're being given leadership opportunities. They don't even have, it's amazing. It's not fair. And you're kind of mad at them. The person you need to go to is not the person, but it's God and going, God, I don't get it. It doesn't seem fair that they have that. And that's the second thing my kids always say. It's just not fair. But that's a very conformed way of thinking. Culture will tell you to think that way about your circumstances in the church, we'll tell you to think that way about your faith, about the way that your life's going. And you'll find yourself at times in your life just going, it's just not fair. It's not fair that they've got that relationship and I don't. It's not fair that they've got a mom and a dad who check in on them and I don't. It's not fair that they've got a bank account that their parents just feed and I'm having to work three jobs, really struggling at my classes, can't seem to get ahead at all. It's just not fair. 
Some of you in this room tonight are sitting in that place of going, man, it's only a couple weeks into the semester, but it just doesn't seem fair. I'm at everything I can get to, but I just can't seem to be growing. I just can't seem to get ahead. But it's a conformed way of thinking. The gospel comes along and says, hey, don't think that way. The transformed mind says, but I trust you, God. Is it going to change your circumstance? No. But it's a transformed way of thinking of going, God, I believe that the verse that we just read says this, that each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, verse 6, we each have gifts that differ according to us, according to the grace given to us. God, you've been gracious to give me something. You've been gracious to put me where I am. And God, it doesn't make sense to me right now. I don't understand why Bill's getting all this um, acclaim. I don't understand why Sally seems to be doing so well. I don't understand why everything seems to be not working out for me. But instead of going, it's not fair, I'm going to believe and I'm going to have a transformed mind and I'm going to ask God that you build something in me that says, but I trust you. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. And if it was up to me, it would not be this way. But I trust you, God. That's a transformed way of looking at things. To transform our circumstances instead of saying, God, I could figure this out better. But instead of saying, God, I, I trust you. And as we talk about school, as you talk about, man, they got ahead, they got the, you know, they got the internship. They got a seat at the table with somebody that's really influential. This is applicable, but the older we get, the more this becomes what we have to hang our hat on. Because soon it's not, oh, I didn't get the promotion. Soon it's not, oh, I didn't get a date. Oh, soon it's not, oh, I didn't get an internship I wanted. Soon it's, they got cancer. Soon it's my parents are divorced. Soon, soon it's my friends had a miscarriage. Soon it's, there's infertility in our story. Soon it's not, I didn't get a job, it's a loss of a job. And in those moments, if we're conforming to the ways of this world and we're going, it's not fair, God, it will not make sense to us. Life is just bigger than fairness. But if by the grace of God, we can start to believe, I trust you, God. I can't see the full picture right now. I don't know this, all the story, but I trust you, God. I can't make sense out of the tragedy that's happening, but I trust you, God. I, I believe, God, that you're working and that by grace, you've given me gifts. I trust you, God. It's a transformed way of thinking. The final one is this. At the very end of Romans 3, verse 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, this one's the most simple. Moving from a conformed way of thinking to a transformed way of thinking, but it's the one that most of us are going to resist the most. Because it says right there, we each have gifts. If you're in Christ, you have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, comma, let us use them. The other thing that I've told you my kids say all the time is no. No. And I'm so guilty of that myself, of knowing that that verse is true. Hey, you have gifts, 
They're different, each one of you. They're different in this room. There's hundreds of different gifts in this room right now. Now use them. But so often I conform to the pattern of this world when the scripture says, now go use your gift. And I go, no. Hey, serve those who need serving. No. Hey, offer hope to people who need it. No. Hey, say something to the guy in class. Stand up to the people who are, you know, tearing down Christianity. Offer your assistance. You've been given this gift. You are a leader. Use it for God. No, not now. Not right now. I've got four years. I really am going to apply myself. But as soon as I graduate, my goodness, am I going to really apply myself? My goodness, am I going to be a light in the darkness? But not right now. I can't stand up right now because it might affect something or somebody might notice. Not right now. No. But the scripture says, no, you have gifts according to the grace that's been given to you. Now use them. And we go, no, not right now. It might cost me something. Because what if I try to apply my gift and it's just not as good as Bill's? God's going, whoa, quit comparing because it's not about fair. It's about trusting God. So trust God with the gift he's given you. And some of you in this room have this burden in you. You've got something you really think God's called you to do. Like when somebody talks about it, you get so excited. I mean, God has birthed something in you, but you've been sitting on no for years. Because what if I'm just not as good as somebody else? What if I have this dream, but it's all a me thing and I'm not really going to apply myself and maybe I should wait for somebody else to like come along and do it for me and then I'll just kind of stamp my name on it and be like, well, I had that idea too. And, but some of you in this room are going to be major influencers in the business world. You're going to like apply yourself in great ways, but you've got to move from the conformed way of thinking and going, no, I'm not going to use my gift to the transformed way of thinking of just going, yeah. God, I open my hands to what you've given me. Will I ever stand on a stage like this and proclaim Jesus? Most of you probably not. And that's awesome news for you. Because you've got the gift in other areas to make a radical impact for the gospel. You're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We always hear this at church. You want proof? And again, it's a big proof thing. But today, everybody was tweeting about chicken sandwiches. Everybody was talking about Truett Cathy. Now, what if Truett Cathy had said, I can't really do what I think God's called me to do because it's making chicken. I mean, I've got this recipe in my head. I think it'd be pretty awesome for a chicken sandwich. But, you know, I'm probably not going to do that. I'll just keep praying about what God wants me to do because I should probably be a missionary or I should probably be a Bible teacher or maybe I should get involved in Sunday school somewhere. And he did those things. But instead he said, I... God's wired me to make chicken. And so he made a lot of stinking chicken. But none of us could say, you know, he didn't really have much of an impact for God in this world. And some of you in here, it's not chicken, but it's design. When you start thinking about designing something, You get so excited. And you're going, that's not going to matter. So I'm not going to really apply myself. 
And it's a conformed way of thinking, the transformed way of thinking is going, all right, God, you've wired me this way. You've put this in me. I'm going to, apply, I'm going to be the best engineer there can be. I'm going to be the best studio design person there can be. I'm going to be the best accountant this city's ever seen. I'm going to be the best builder. I'm going to be the best stay-at-home mom there can be because I'm going to surrender. It doesn't feel like much to me because it's just the way I'm wired. But I'm just going to surrender and I'm going to do what I think you've called me to do, God. Is it risky? Always. Is it worth it? Always. When you see that God has given you a gift of grace, now use it. We've got too many Christians who are sitting here and going, no, not now. But man, once I get a little bit more training, once I get a little bit more equipped, once I get a little bit older, once I do this, and God's going, no, 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 I've given you the grace now for tomorrow, for Tuesday the 9th. Use it. Use it. Go out and use the gift now. My junior year of college, I did this thing called semester. See, I traveled around the world, and I, for the first time, I started teaching in this way. And God just, like, lit me up doing it. So I got home, and I was meeting with my college pastor at the time. And, he was, and I was telling him, I was like, man, I, I was teaching on this ship with, like, 50, 60, sometimes 100 other college students, and I really liked it, and I was really excited by it. And we're sitting at Schlotzky's Deli. It doesn't exist anymore, at least here, but no Schlotzky's, no Schertzky's, no Schuetzky's, whatever. And so I was sitting at this place eating Schlotzky's um, with my college pastor, and I'm telling him, yeah, I really feel like I'm supposed to be a minister. And this is weird because I'm a junior in college. I'm a junior in college, but I think I'm supposed to be a college pastor. That's stupid. Like, that's stupid to say as a college student to be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to pastor my people. And I said, but I love it. I love it, and I love teaching them. And I will never forget at Schlotzky's Deli, he went, hey, we're going to that camp in three weeks. And it was a college ministry camp. Um, it was a, like, service project where college people from all over the country were going to come to Charleston, South Carolina, do missions work for the week. But there was worship each night, and he said, why don't you be the pastor of it? Preach. In Schlotzky's, I went, no. I, I said, no, I can't, I can't preach to college students. I'm a college student. I'm sure there's going to be some seniors there who are a lot better than me or they've got more experience. There's, there's definitely going to be like actual college pastors in the room and they're going to be going, who's this yahoo? Where did we get him from? And I was sitting there and I was going, no. And he, he pushed and he went, why would you not do what you just told me you think God's calling you to do? And some of you in this room, it's not going to preach at a camp. but it's doing something that God's wired you uniquely to do, to make an impact for his name in the place where you find yourself tomorrow. And it's a transformed, it seems so simple, but it's a transformed way of thinking to go, God, I surrender. For years I've been saying no, but tonight I want to say yes. I want to change my thinking from being a conformist to being somebody who's transformed by the grace of Christ. Some of you tonight need to ask God for the grace to move from mine, a story that's all about you, to a story that's all about him. And as we end tonight, we're just going to have an extended time of worship, sing a couple of songs tonight as we end. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with, is don't conform to what everybody else is doing. We're so good at that in this room. Oh, everybody else stood up. I should probably stand up. Everybody else is kind of closing their hat. Okay, I probably should do that. Oh, everybody else is starting to get into it. I guess you're... Don't conform to the pattern of this room, for goodness sake. Be transformed. So ask God, God, what would you have me do tonight? 
Do I need to come down to the front? I mean, we don't do that a lot, but do you need to come down and just say, God, this is nothing but carpet on some stairs, but I'm going to use it right now as a symbol of a place where I'm just going to lay down some stuff and say, God, I've been holding on to some things for years, for months. I've just been saying, no, not that area of my life. You cannot do work there. But tonight I say, yeah, yes, I surrender that area of my life. For some of you tonight, as we, as we end and as we sing, you just don't need to sing the words. You just need to go, God, I trust you. It doesn't seem fair, but I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And wherever you call me, whatever you want to do with my life, whatever you want to do with my tomorrow, yes, I surrender. Don't let us be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but let us be transformed by renewing our minds and seeing us the way that you see us. So as we end, the band's going to come out. We're going to worship. And just respond to God how you need to. Like I said, for some it may be sitting. For others it may be standing. For some it may be coming forward. For some it may be finding a friend and saying, hey, let's go to the back. I just need to confess some stuff. I need somebody in my life right now. For some it's just going to be crying out, going, God, that sounds really good, but I'm not even sure if I know you. Would you increase my faith? Jesus, that's our prayer. That's my prayer right now for these students, for myself, that you would help us. We are so easily conformed. I am so easily conformed to what Christian culture tells me is right. Would you transform us by the power of the cross? Would you transform the way that we think about ourselves? Would you change us, God, not just in word tonight, but in reality? God, I'm praying that tonight transformation is more than theology to us. It's reality. That we really, really believe you are a God who transforms lives.